we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Greetings, you're listening to Deep State Radio. I'm sorry, I mean the Nonsense Bazaar. <laughs> Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm going to set a scene for you right now. Okay. Imagine in your mind's eye, hmm. you're in a waiting room. Maybe you're at the dentist. The Always doctor. in a waiting room. Yeah. Constantly. There's a, a television in the corner. Maybe it's hanging from the ceiling. Maybe it's on top of a cabinet. Okay. There's a television there. And it's playing The Price is Right. Yes. This is the only yes. time that you ever watch this show. And, it is. You know, the host may have changed over the years from when you were a child, but the format is largely identical to what you remember. It's, is it <laughs> Drew Carey now? I don't know. I know he was doing it. God bless him. You're looking at this television, The Price is Right is playing, and now for a chance to win a luxury vacation to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, which <laughs> of the three is the most expensive? Okay. And I have some pictures. Yeah, I see. I see. Yes. Is it this handmade Dolly Parton Christmas ornament? Mm. A new in-box Mater from the Pixar movie Cars figurine in the style of Darth Vader from Star Wars? What? <laughs> Mater as Darth Vader. Okay. Box. Or is it this autographed photo of Larry the Cable Guy? This is hard. Oh, man. Fuck. Fuck. You try, you're trying to trip, trick me with this one. You put thought into this. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you something. All of these are under $20. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Wait. An well, autographed photograph, oh, autographed photo of Larry the Cable Guy is worth less than twenty dollars. Yeah, that's incredible. It's the it's the car toy. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. It is the handmade Dolly Parton of, of Christmas course ornament. It, of course it is. I thought it was a trick. Yeah, but it's not. It was it was what I thought. How how much is the autographed photo of Larry the Cable Guy? I think fourteen ninety nine. Oh my god! I know it's a good picture too. He's wearing a tiny little cow print vest. Yeah, he's holding two plates of food. It looks like a plate of uh, one of them is a, a meatball sub, I believe. That tracks. With a side of French fries, which I don't like. I don't like that. You don't like that? No, that's weird to me. What? <clears throat> French fries on a sandwich? I, you know. Yeah. What? That's that's fairly standard. It's pretty. That's like a regular it ass looks meal, like dude. There's also a bunch of parsley on the plate. It's just a, an odd pairing of of. I don't know why he's serving food in the first place. I thought he was a cable guy. Well, now he's Larry, the the cowboy waiter, <laughs> who's here to serve you your meatball sub on a sesame seed roll with a side of parsley and French fries. He looks happy. Well, I guess the black helicopter on the ceiling or <laughs> on the roof is, is going to be leaving without you. I think so, yes. Yeah. Man, I thought you were going to get that. I was going to, but I thought I was being tricked. 
I can, the craftsmanship on that Star Wars Cars figurine, though. <laughs> do, you want me to, that... do you want me to redo it and say the right one? <laughs> no, no, no. Because this this displays to everybody just what a beautiful piece of art that figurine is. It's true. And it really is. Like, no, do people go nuts for this? See, that's the thing. People go fucking nuts for action figures. It's a strange piece of pop culture. And so, like, I thought it was going to be, like, something obscene. Like, there was only, like, five of them made or something. Like, and it was going to be, like, 15 grand. <laughs> yes. I should have changed my answer when you revealed that they were all under $20. Because <sighs> in that case, it's just an action figure from the movie Cars. Where did you find the Larry the Cable Guy picture? eBay. Did oh, you look at one. that specifically? Was that the search term you used? Yeah, I looked up <laughs> autographed photo of Larry the Cable Guy. How does your mind work? <laughs> it's incredible. I think, does he do a voice in Cars? Is he the voice of Mater from Cars? Because I think that's probably how my mind worked in that case. I mean, if... If he is, then that makes sense. That's he better not. <clears throat> he is. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so th- that, that's exactly why that. Happened. Right, that's exactly why my mind worked that way. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Today. You were just thinking about the movie Cars. Fuck you. Life <laughs> is a highway. Bro. It really is. <sighs> and I, I want to ride it all night long. I want to take a ride. Into that's your the ride legacy. as an American. Yes. We're going to be taking a ride into the legacies of a, a couple of famous American game shows, and but mostly like the odd rabbit holes that researching them um, led me to. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, game shows are interesting. They are. I'm a big fan of like the, the trope. I've seen it like a, a couple of times of like, I know The Simpsons did this at least once where like people ending up on a game show and it getting increasingly like more sadistic or like. Yes. Fucked up, but they're imprisoned by their own fear of embarrassment from walking away from the crowd. Mm -hmm. It's almost, it's the crowd itself. The eyes are like this, are an imprisoning force. Oh, yes. Yeah. Game shows are fucked up. We just make people do and say weird shit. Yeah. For entertainment and for money. The promise of money or a new washing machine. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Japanese game shows. Oh, yeah, they get really They get crazy, up. dude. They get insane. I saw, like, they're, like, trying to serve food on a moving floor, like a shifting shifting floor, and, and like, they're sitting, on, they're sitting on the floor, too. His food's going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or there's the one with the guy who has to live off of magazine sweepstakes, so they leave him with nothing but a stack of magazines in an empty apartment, and he has to just, like, apply for magazine, like, sweepstakes to win things, that's, the that's gr- what he lives off of. That's the greatest shit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. It gets really dark. <laughs> it's fucking insanely dark, but wow. You don't see that level of creativity. No, but we're talking about some, some lame-ass American ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be lame. It's actually going to be really interesting. I'm sure. But first, we're going to pull a tarot card for the episode that we will speak about at the end of the episode. Yes, we will. That's kind of like a game show component. Do you think we would have included this structurally in the Nonsense Bazaar had game shows not been invented? Yeah. Yeah? I don't. I don't think so. Adding the element of randomness to, to a production that impacts like the narrative. I don't know. 
We have the Eight of Pentacles. Hard work. Hard work. <laughs> That's what I think when I look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, because it is that. It's diligence. It's hard work. It's um, it's like the opposite of a game show. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Which promises um, quick riches. Yeah, game shows are get rich quick, but like... Hmm, that's it. That's an interesting card. It is. Yeah. And now, the banjo before me neither i don't know if i is that oh is that the theme song now i've never really watched family feud i've only seen clips of it yeah it's that's some iconic music though Hmm. i've never noticed all the layers to it it's very energetic it it very much is there's a lot going on i i was thinking about eight of cups shit as that or eight of pentacles shit while that was uh playing (laughs) i'm not gonna derail it now but some hard work went into that music It's interesting. Um, I listened to like a whole playlist of theme song, like game show theme song. Yeah. And they all have like a very, a similar flavor to them. It's actually interesting to listen to. And then think of it as its own genre. Like, why does this music go with this style of show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a feel to it that I can't like quite put fucking words to yeah it's like fast of course it's kind of frenetic it's frenetic it's Bouncy. uh flamboyant yeah i guess like or like kind of ostentatious silly. yeah while being very silly it's a spe- it's spectacle music oh it is yeah it yeah. is this is game shows are in entirely like the society of the spectacle shit like yeah, this is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. they serve have like no real functional purpose whatsoever except for mindless entertainment and commercialism like it's really dude yeah we're we're a species that loves random numbers mm-hmm. possibilities seeing like which yeah. way is it gonna go ah i'm making a prediction seeing if you were right or wrong mm-hmm. fucking love that shit Right? Like, at least Jeopardy has, you know, a trivia aspect to it. You might learn some stuff, remember some facts from it. That's not why we're there, though. <clears throat> no. I mean, I love Jeopardy. Don't get me wrong. That shit's great. But, like, we also love, we love believing in people. Mm-hmm. We love making fun of people. Mm-hmm. We love seeing dickheads fall on their face. And we love going, oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love feeling superior. <laughs> yes. And we love learning shit. It, like, appeals to all of these, like... It, Weirdly enough, game shows appeal to this like like base level human as animal instinct. Oh, yeah. It's it's wild. It, it, so it's so I, strange. I knew that this was gonna be my topic. I was I had no idea what I was gonna do this week. And then I landed on game shows are really interesting. They are. Um and I ran across a children's game show called Funny Boners. And what? Yeah, please be more careful than I was when searching the internet for information about funny bones. <laughs> <laughs> don't just type that in. Press enter. Uh, I'm feeling lucky. 
Yeah. <laughs> the show aired on NBC for just one year, 1954 to 55, is a short-lived Saturday morning spinoff of the show Truth or Consequences, which is <laughs> one of the longest from- running... Through their consequences, spun off into funny boners. Yeah, which was the children's version of the show. This is going to be consequences. Yeah. So, Truth or Consequences is one of the longest running, most famous game shows ever. So, before we talk about boners, we're going to tunnel into Truth or Consequences. I just, I knew the name of the town in the desert, whatever state that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not. Well, it's named after the game show, so. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, it, it's beautiful. Truth or Consequences is like the Old West name. Like that, you won't, oh yeah, you gotta go by way of Tombstone. You've got Tombstone, that was a real town name. Mm-hmm. Deadwood. Truth or Consequences. Yeah, that one's named after a game show. What the fuck? <laughs> well, it began as a radio show in March 1940. Ralph Edwards, the broadcasting legend... He got the idea after playing some parlor games called forfeits. Forfeits, as the name suggests, are these actions that a person has to perform as their punishment as having like made a mistake or lost a game at a party. Okay. So, I don't know. I'll I'll give some examples, but usually a forfeit is something like silly and slightly embarrassing, but sometimes it's a positive thing. Okay. Um, Here are some examples of forfeits from a book called Victorian Parlor Games by Patrick Beaver. Interestingly, not the last person in this episode with the last that has a last name Beaver. What? (laughs) Really? Yeah, really. I just (sighs) I just noticed that. That's okay. It's a double beaver episode. That's weird as fuck. All okay. Right. So one example of a forfeit. And it's just like, you just take this on willingly or like you lose a bet or something. Yeah. Like you lose a bet or you'd lose a game something. Okay. Okay. So like this is called give good advice. And in this version of the game, the person performing the forfeit has, uh, they're obligated to go around to everyone else and offer words of advice. That's so funny. There's no requirements for the advice, including whether or not it's any good. In fact, the more irreverent the advice is, the better. So, like, imagine you're in the middle of a conversation with someone and your friend who has to perform the forfeit just, like, walks up to you, looks you dead in the eye, and is like, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And then just walks away. I fucking love it. I love, I, it, so I love much. it too. I'm so into this. I love it when behaving strangely is not only permissive, but encouraged. And also when there's a conspiracy surrounding it too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love this. I'm going to incorporate this into my life. <laughs> I like it a lot. It's very silly. Um, just good advice. <laughs> another forfeit. This is for two people. You blindfold both of them and then put them on opposite sides of the room or like the house. Yeah. And then um, without taking their blindfolds off, they have to find each other and shake hands. Also fun. Yeah. Not as fun, but also fun. Yeah. I just love giving bad advice to people. I know. (laughs) Really silly. The next one is called Three Questions. Okay. Now, the person performing the forfeit leaves the room and the others think up three questions for the person to answer. They must be yes or no questions. When the person comes back into the room, the others ask him what his answers are. And then, yeah, they don't tell him what the questions are. (laughs) He tells them, 
their answers. I like it. So the person blindly answers yes or no to each question, and then the others tell him what he has refused or agreed to. So, Sequoia, what are your answers whoa, for one, whoa, two, and three? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't have to do anything. No, no, and no. No, I, that's not fun. Um, yes, no, yes. Okay. So, question number one, which you've answered uh, yes to, is... Have you ever considered faking your death and living the rest of your days under an assumed identity devoted to a life of crime and rock and roll? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Every day. So question number two, which you answered no to was, do you have sexual thoughts about Barbara Bush? No. Yes. (laughs) No. And question number three was, did St. Germain enter your dreams and give you a magic artifact last night? Potentially. You said yes. I guess so. (laughs) Holy shit. I'm good at this game. (laughs) I'm very relieved that you don't have sexual thoughts about Barbara Bush. No, not at all. It's never happened. Yeah. So there are also... um, Did you really write those? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) There are short forfeits, which are exactly what they sound like. Like, the instructions are just in the titles, but the titles can be a little long. One of them is... Laugh in one corner, cry in another, sing in another, dance in another. That's a weird party. You just go from corner to corner, laughing, crying, singing, dancing. Whoa. Um, another one is called lie down on the floor and rise with your arms folded. So you got to stand up <laughs> with your arms folded. That's hard. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. easier for some people than others. <laughs> Especially when you've been drinking. And then this is my my favorite short forfeit. Um, it's just called being friendly, where the forfeiter has to walk around the room and smile at everyone, one person at a time. <laughs> Why have I never heard of any of this shit before? <laughs> Victorian party game. It's so funny. Yeah. Like, I, this is great. There are also um, kissing forfeits. Well, of course there are. Yeah, one of which is called kiss your own shadow, where the, perf- the person... Um, <laughs> Performing it, yeah. they can kiss whoever their shadow falls on. So all they have to do is make sure that their shadow is like on top of a person and then they can kiss them. I don't like that one. Yeah. That's going to get weird. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. There are some other strange kissing forfeits. There's also the the three questions forfeit, except you make all the questions have to do with kissing. Like, do you want to kiss so and so? See, that's this. That's where the shit always goes. Yeah. Yeah. It loses. It loses the magic. Yeah. That's when it gets real teenage. Like, with it. yo, I'm gonna, I'll tell you right now. You just stick with like the fucking interesting forfeits. You're still increasing the chances of kissing. You know what I mean? True. Like somebody gives me some good bad advice. Mm. Yeah, dude, you can use any of those opportunities to charm the fuck out of somebody. <laughs> yeah. Except that like Gurdjieffian four corners shit. Right. <laughs> that's, that's very weird. <laughs> so inspired by a lively game of forfeits one night, I don't know what forfeits because apparently there are several. I wish we knew. But Ralph Edwards comes up with the idea of truth or consequences the game. Okay. And it debuts on NBC Radio in March 1940. The people go crazy. They love it. So the premise of the show is that contestants have to answer a ridiculous question. Hell yeah. Where there's like not really a right answer or like a trick answer. Sure. And then they have about two seconds or so to answer it before Beulah the buzzer gets sounded. Beulah. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. And if the contestant could not complete, you know, the truth portion, you know, answering the question, then there would be consequences, mm. which is usually some sort of stunt that's like kooky and embarrassing. And, A forfeit. Yeah. So from the start, a lot of the people on the show would, you know, they don't mind getting the buzzer because they want to perform the stunt. Like that's there's no fun if you answer it correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the whole bit. It's a great bit. So as Edwards puts it, Americans are good sports. You know, they we play along with the game. Yeah. Now. <clears throat> used to be at least. All right. So let's let's pause for a second and talk about the buzzer having a name. Beulah. And that name being Beulah. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you ever heard it before? No. So the word originated from a Hebrew word used in the book of Isaiah that means married or espoused. It's also connected to the word ball, you know, which means to marry or to rule over. Okay. Um, Here's a quote from the book of Isaiah. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hepzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee. And thy land shall be married. Yeah. So in this section of the Bible, um, Isaiah prophecies that Zion will receive a new name and identity, a fresh start, a renewed purpose. Mm. And Zion refers to Jerusalem, but it also represents the people of God and the future restoration and redemption of Israel. So in the context of Isaiah, Beulah is the state of marital bliss. It it represents like a, a transformed Jerusalem. Where okay. The relationship between God and his people is now like a bride who's cherished and loved by her husband and God is the Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thy land shall be married. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck does that have to do with a game show buff? <laughs> Indeed. Um, and also in the mythology of William Blake, Beulah refers to the realm of the subconscious. Okay. Um like this place that's the source of poetic inspiration where you get your creative drive from. Like the thing that inspires creativity, dreams. The word occurs 182 times throughout William Blake's works, appearing first in the night in Night the First of the Four Zoas, okay. where it is described as a mild and pleasant rest, a soft moony universe, feminine lovely, pure, mild and gentle, given in mercy to those who sleep eternally. Created by the Lamb of God around, on all sides within and without the universal man. In that place, the daughters of Beulah follow sleepers in all their dreams, creating spaces lest they fall into eternal death. The fuck does that have to do with a game show buzzer? I don't know. This is madness. Here's a passage from Symbol and Image in William Blake by George W. Digby. The daughters of Beulah are man's inherent powers of recovering his inner harmony and sense of direction. They hold him by secret threads and represent a sort of psychological umbilical cord. They represent the power of the imagination to throw up symbols and present them intuitively to the mind. By means of these symbols, which are the daughters of Beulah, the lost man may be rescued. Although they may become more and more obscure and tenuous the farther he sinks into the meshes of Maya, yet the threads are always there and do not break. The compassion of the daughters of Beulah endures, as does man's capacity for acceptance and assimilation. Yes. Okay, so it's a, in the context of the game show, you could um, see that as, uh, well, maybe I'll hold off on that. 
Well, it is. I was thinking about it as you were talking. The buzzer, it's this sound that represents like a permissive atmosphere for uh, chaos almost. Well, it also creates the space Mm -hmm. that like the game takes place. It's the it's the outside bounds and having that restriction like you have to. How does it work? You have to say something before the buzzer goes off or or you, you don't. Like the buzzer just, it automatically goes off like after a second. Like you don't really hardly get a chance to answer it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's, well, it's the aspect of the game that like brings forth your response to it, which then creates the plot of the show. Right. Yeah, it's the thing that drags up from the subconscious, whether Mm -hmm. you answer or not, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I can see, yeah. Without yeah. the buzzer going off, there there is no there game. Are no consequences, right? Exactly. There is no <laughs> yes. game without the buzzer. Yeah. Yes. So to William Blake, Beulah was the level of existence like just below Eden. Okay. So you can enjoy a stay in Beulah, like the stress-free relaxation period. But if you stay there too long, like in this place of creative inspiration, you're gonna get lazy and addicted and you might actually end up slipping down into lower generations sure yeah or lower levels okay um so it's meant to be like a transitional state where you gain inspiration and maybe like seek refuge for a little bit sure but not a permanent way of life like you can't live in that creative flow all the time or else you'll never um yeah 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 it's it's like the type that the rest and recharge like creative cocoon that you got to go into sometime it's like between two intense things or whatever like yeah right yeah so the word also appears in uh, The Pilgrim's Progress, which is a very important and famous Christian allegorical novel written by John Bunyan, published 1678. It tells the story of a character named Christian who embarks from the city of destruction to the celestial city, which is kind of like, you know, he's going from regular world up to heaven yeah and towards the end of his journey christian comes across beulah which is like this beautiful peaceful land the sun's always shining it smells like daisies and it's a great place to rest before you know you have to cross the river of death on your way to mount zion yeah i'll stay yeah, in beulah for so, a couple nights right so that that's what it is in in their um like religious allegories of these two famous um authors word and also mentioned in, in the Bible. So, yeah, I don't know why the, the buzzer's name is Beulah. But oh, it's I, not directly tied to that at all? It, it might not be because I found something else. Okay. Okay. When may I expect dinner, Beulah? Certainly, Mr. Herrick. What? What would the noontime be without the classic Leave it to Beulah? Beulah, who's always in the kitchen. But never seems to know what's cooking. Oh, no. (laughs) What? Yeah. Do you feel uncomfortable after watching that? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That was a fake commercial, but it might as well be real. It's from a mockumentary called Confederate States of America. Okay. And it's doing a parody of a show that I had no idea about, but it's like hardly even a parody because the show was all about a black maid to a white family and like she's the feature of the sitcom. So Beulah was the name of the first nationally broadcast weekly television series to star a black woman like ever in the leading role. It ran from 1950 to 1953, quite a short run on ABC. 
The role had originally been created by a white male actor named Marlon Hurt for the Fibber McGee and Molly radio program. Say that again. <laughs> the character of Beulah was created by Marlon Hurt yeah. for the Fibber McGee and Molly radio program. Fibber McGee and Molly. Yeah. Wonderful. But... You know, Beulah gets spun off into her own radio show in 1945, and then eventually it it gets to a, a television show. Yeah, starring the fabulously talented Ethel Waters, who, by the way, shares a birthday with Vanilla Ice. Excellent. Born on Halloween. What? Ne- okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ethel Waters somehow like gets stuck in this role, but not for long. We'll talk about that. Can we just hear a little bit of her first hit? Sure. This is called Dinah, recorded in 1925 for Columbia Records. From Plantation Review. Ethel Waters and her Plantation Orchestra is what the record says. So this song would go on to be like covered by a whole bunch of male artists yeah. and get its own fame. So it's interesting that it started out being sung by a woman. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, um, as one of the very few images of black people on primetime television during this time period, Beulah and Ethel Waters herself would end up getting heat for perpetuating all kinds of nasty stereotypes on the show. And the show was, you know, panned by critics, yeah. the New York Times, which would also end up happening to some of the game shows we'll talk about later. But not for being racist, just for being bad. Oh. <laughs> just for being bad entertainment. Yeah. Well, that deserves to. Yeah. Actor Bud Harris, um, he was contracted to play the role of Bill on the show. He quit the series just a few months into its run. Because uh, he said the show's writers were forcing him to play an Uncle Tom character, and he was not about that. He found it very degrading. Yeah. The many actresses who played Beulah also seemed fated to inhabit the role only for short periods of time. Ethel Waters quit after a year. Huh. And then when production moved to Hollywood in 1951, Hattie McDaniel, who was the star of the radio version, she filmed six episodes, and then she got very, very ill. So she was replaced by Louise Beavers. Okay. The very same year, who then soon learned that she had advanced breast cancer. Whoa. So, yeah, just like it's it's almost the show only lasted three years. They're like, damn. Seems like hmm. The curse of Beulah. The curse of Beulah is Yeah. Speaking of Beavers, did you know that there's a Mel Gibson movie where he's like coping with depression? So he finds this beaver puppet in the trash and like puts it on his hand and starts talking through it. And he develops disassociative identity disorder where he can only talk through the beaver. So he ends up like cutting off his own arm to rid himself of the beaver. What? Did you know that? No. I didn't think so from your reaction. That's wild. Isn't it? What the fuck? Yeah, so after Beulah left the air in September 1953, no television program would star a black woman again until 15 years later in 1968 when Julia appeared, which was one of the few sitcoms of the time that did not include a laugh track. Hmm. I find that highly respectable because oh, laugh, yeah. laugh tracks are so overdone. It's They're terrible. They're Insert a laugh track here. 
They're awful. It's the worst thing. All right. So, <clears throat> Sequoia, I'm going to move on from the whole Beulah thing. But okay. like that, this is the essence of this whole episode is like the rabbit holes that looking into game shows led me down. Sure. Because then I'm I'm now learning about like some of the, the first sitcoms and like... Well, yeah. I mean, game shows are... Um... I'm they're they're a window about into John Bunyan's pilgrim fucking travel to the the city of the celestial city like what? Yeah, I mean there's nothing that fucking no one's except perhaps Alex Trebek. No one's like particularly talented at being a game show dude. So you get like all these hosts of game shows, all the people on game shows, they all ha- are career entertainment people. Right. And there's this like base level element to game shows that that like lets it be this window into fucking american culture in the 20th century totally yeah so before i I move on from this would you please read a paragraph that i found from a blog an online blog of a a gentleman reflecting on watching truth or consequences in his youth all right sometimes i wished there was a bueller the buzzer to announce our misdeeds or snafus wouldn't that be a trip Buzzers blaring all over the sounds of everyday life. Human error on parade. On second thought, maybe not. But there is something better. The Holy Spirit of God guides us all in... (laughs) The Holy Spirit of God guides us in all truth and announces when we're outside of the truth. Not to trivialize the work of the Holy Spirit, but he reminds us of our sin. You hear that? The real Beulah the buzzer is inside of our hearts. It is that creative essence right below Eden that tells us... When we are wrong. What? When we are right. What are you doing? What are you doing to me here? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you say about listening to some old-time radio and getting a feel for the 1940s truth or consequence? Absolutely. You're wonderful. Hello. What is your name, please? This is Peterson. How are you, Miss Peterson? Oh, fine, thank you. Good. What's your occupation? Housewife. All the time in Milwaukee? Yes. Good, 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 good. What does Mr. Peterson do? He's a tool and die maker. He did what? He's a tool and die maker. Oh, I thought he wasn't with us anymore. Well, that's oh, nice. Well, Mrs. Peterson? Uh, <laughs> now, uh, here's a question for you, Mrs. Peterson, and we'll have a consequence if you miss. Are you ready? Sure. Any children? Yes. How many? One daughter. What are their names? Uh, Lois. She's Lois. married and has two grandchildren. Is that? I mean, I... I was going to say Milwaukee, like, does, does everything, but I guess not. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, Conrad Fiorella of Brooklyn, New York, asks... Um, why would anybody bring a bottle of milk to a poker game? Truth or consequences? Mrs. Earl mm-hmm. Peterson. <laughs> oh, why would anyone bring a... Pool or something? No. To feed the kitty, it oh. says. Here. Hmm. Mrs. Peterson, you haven't told the truth, so you must pay the consequences, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, tonight, tonight being Halloween, Mrs. Peterson, you're going to have your fortune. What a question, though. Odd question. I don't like that there's an answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get that. Yeah, like you I just said, say something. It's uh, yeah, no. Like, why would you bring a bottle of milk to a poker game? Because you like milk. Yeah, like for sustenance. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to lose all my money, so I'm not gonna drink booze. I'm just. I'm. I'm a milk drinker. Right yeah. to have with your chips, haha. <laughs> but don't. Yeah, I don't know. Good. Um. Yeah. So it's always like a, a silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question like well, that. they start him off asking like the regular right. stuff, and then so let's hear what her consequence. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Unpause it. Told. <gasps> is that okay with you? Thrilling. Well, will you please run off stage and get the crystal ball? Will you? Will you Where do that? Uh, right off there, uh, Mr. Ed Bailey will show you. And uh, while we bring out the special Halloween fortune teller, 
That's the stuff. Now, you'll find the crystal ball on the table back there, if you please. That's the stuff. Now, we're all set. Is she gone? She can't hear. <laughs> Something's going to happen to her, too. You know. uh, Mrs. Peterson is being told by our assistants backstage that the fortune teller is actually her husband in disguise. Now, that's what she's being told, and that each time the so-called fortune teller is correct in what he says, she will have to give him a kiss, you see. Oh, well, she no. won't mind being kissed when she thinks it's her husband. But mm. the gag is... The disguised fortune teller won't be her husband at all, but a man who was flown here all the way from Hollywood via TWA Transworld Airlines Constellation, especially for this Halloween broadcast tonight. And who is this man who Mrs. Peterson will think is her masquerading husband and be kissing? None other than the famous movie and stage star, the well-known boogeyman, Mr. Boris Karloff. Hi, Mr. Okay, so that yeah, they're gonna dress Boris Karloff off in like a fake beard and a robe, and they're telling her like, "Hey, it's just your husband in disguise, but it's actually Boris Karloff," and well, she's gonna kiss him. Well, this is actually, this is the origin story of King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Because fucking the first thing that happens in at least uh, the death of Arthur by Thomas Mallory is that. Uther Pendragon, Arthur's son, or Arthur's father. Oh, no, I get consequences. I don't want these consequences. Uther Pendragon is laying siege to this other king's castle, mm-hmm. right? Well, oh, first, Uther has a, a dinner, a big feast, and he invites this other king and his wife specifically because he thinks the wife's hot. Yeah. And he's trying to bang the wife. The wife gets wise to this at the feast, and she says to her husband, the other king, she's like, dude, Uther Pendragon's just trying to fuck me. We got to get out of here. So they fuck off. Then Uther Pendragon goes to war against this family because he wants to he wants to fuck this woman. Yeah. So he's laying siege. And then he tells one of his knights to go get the wizard Merlin to find a solution. I want to fuck this woman. This is literally explicitly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They don't use the word fuck, but it's literally that. He wants to right. bed with her, you know, or, or some shit. So this dude goes to Merlin. And he's like, yo, King's got a problem. He wants to fuck this woman. He wants to fuck this other queen. Merlin goes, oh, yeah, I can do something about that. But he's going to be in debt to me. You know, Merlin's going to get his, you know? Yes. So his solution is to fucking magically disguise Uther Pendragon as the woman's husband, himself as some other knight and shit. And oh. they fucking go into the castle. Dude, fuck, Pendragon That's what's fucking, happening. That's, that's exactly what's dude, happening. Yeah, and that's how King Arthur is conceived. While the real king is bleeding out, dying on the battlefield. It's really fucked up. Just Dude, where is this woman's husband during that's, time, well, like, that's what I'm wondering. You know? He's back home in Milwaukee. So fucking Boris Karloff stabbed him in the stomach. Right. Fuck. No. This is okay. all this is this is all for Boris's benefit. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and she she makes out with him. Holy too. shit. Like and of course we don't have any like footage we don't have any, and we don't have anything from the aftermath do we no but we will keep what? listening okay. i have i have more clips okay we'll hear boris getting all like disguised and dressed up okay <laughs> why boris is, is that a love light shining in your eyes no it's a candle left over from last halloween <laughs> okay now boris Karloff, uh let's get on here with your disguise here there's a robe and a cape now first put on this black beard if you will please there goes the beard on. She'll think it's her husband for sure. And these dark glasses, they go on next. That's just... Uh, with ketchup. It does. <laughs> oh, 
All right. These dark glasses and this turban. Uh, Al and Fred, fix the turban on Mr. Karloff so that Mrs. Peterson won't tell, but uh, if it's her own husband. That's it. Now drape this robe around the shoulders to hide your suit. How are you doing, Boris? All right. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. And put on these big gloves there. That's the stuff. All right. Now, you, you, you could easily be Mrs. Peterson's husband. Here, look in the mirror and see how you look, Boris. How do well, you... There it is. <laughs> don't, be, don't be frightened of yourself. boy. don't be frightened. Tuck that in under his ear now, and we'll be all set to go. Now, here are three facts you are to remember. Okay, so... How is this in any fucking way okay? It's not really. It's not at all. Like... Dude, that's so fucked up. Because he's famous, I guess. It's... Dude... That's the only reason. Fuck everything about that. Holy shit. Yeah, no. That that poor fucking woman. That sucks. I mean, maybe she's like a huge Boris Karloff fan. Maybe the husband says like, yeah, no, I'm cool. Like, it's fine. I don't think so, though. She's getting her ass whooped when she gets home. Jesus, man. It's just not fair. Oh, it's very um, mean to everybody. Except Boris Karloff. Let's keep listening. Okay. Listen to the next clip. I'd like you to meet the celebrated fortune teller, uh, Swami Husbando. Who? <laughs> Stand over this way, please. This is uh, Swami Husbando. How do you do, Swami? <laughs> what? Oh, my. All right, now, Husbando is going to reveal your past, and each time he's correct in his statement, you must give him a great big kiss, okay? Is that okay with you? Sure. Sure, over. Whiskers, too? Sure, whiskers all the way through. Now, you don't mind, do you? All right. Now, uh, Swami reveals to Mrs. Peterson her past. First, where was she born? Look into the crystal ball. Now, where was she born? Milwaukee. Milwaukee, is that right? Yes. How do you like that, Milwaukee? Why, well, uh, look, if that's right, you'll have to kiss him. Go ahead, kiss him. Oh, 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 This is terrible. Okay. Yeah. So well, let's skip ahead to the the last question and the big is, reveal. This is terrible. Where she's like, ah, I knew it was my husband the whole time. And they're oh. like, no, it wasn't. Oh, no. Uh, Swami, the last question. How many children does Mrs. Peterson have? She may never live through this. <laughs> One daughter. Is that right? Yes. Well, don't stand there This host is from the depths of hell. That is a oh, that demon. Is. Yeah. I don't, oh, brother, I've never seen such in my life. Oh, now, Mrs. Peterson, do you think your husband would mind your kissing this absolute stranger? Not at all. I knew it was him all the time. I'm used to it. Bless your heart. He knew it was you all the time. How did you? That's a good joke on your husband, isn't it? You knew you were kissing your husband all the time. I knew those lips. Uh, you knew those lips. Maybe she knows something I don't know. Mr. Peterson, she knew it all the time. You didn't fool her at all. Oh, my. Okay, Swami, you can remove your beard and turban. Go ahead. The joke's over. Remove the beard. You were certainly swell. Give him another kiss, why don't you? Come on, Swami. Turn around. Here we go. <laughs> 
She ran away. Oh, she's into it. Brother, brother, have I been kissed. <laughs> oh, my, they're going to... Boris, you can always say they loved you in Milwaukee. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ralph, for the Halloween witch has offered me a place in a room, and I'm flying back to Chicago tonight. Okay. <laughs> Good night. Oh, another kiss for the lady. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. All right. So, so there you have it. All in good fun. She was down with the Boris. Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, she was she was screaming. I can't tell if it. I think she kissed him again scream. right at the end. Yeah. So. Huh. <laughs> there you have it. A taste of 1940s game show radio. That's really fucked up, dude. Even if she like it, even if she was into it at the end, there. Mm-hmm. That's a fucked up thing to do to people. Yeah. I don't know. No, it ain't man. cool. It's not all right. It ain't cool. To be like, hey, you're kissing your husband. That's really not all right. I was pissed when I read Uther Pendragon do it. Right. I'm mad at Merlin now. So (laughs) consequences was like a big thing. Yeah. There was even an issue of Action Comics where Superman is a contestant on it. And the cover depicts Ralph Edwards like he's trying to get Superman to reveal his true identity. He's squirting him with a little bit of seltzer water, which is a thing on the show is squirting people with seltzer water. It's a funny thing to do to Superman. Yeah. No, Superman's he's wearing a little maid's apron and holding a feather duster. I included a picture. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's, uh, that's- and then um, in March 1950, Edwards put out a request, probably a joke that. The first location, the first town, the first place to change its name, maybe a restaurant, whatever. Sure. Change their name to Truth or Consequences would have the 10th anniversary edition of the show filmed there. So in response, the 7,500 person town of Hot Springs, New Mexico changed its name, supposedly on April Fool's Day, 1950, to Truth or Consequences in hopes uh, that they could bring tourism to their town. You know, exploit the uh, wonderful hot springs there. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on one second. Hmm. I knew something else about truth or consequences. I feel, was there like a UFO sighting there or something? I feel like I. that's oh. where I heard. I don't know. Whatever. Regardless. Seems likely. Yeah. I'm New Mexico. So the show kept its promise and they filmed their 10th anniversary edition of the show in, you know, the new town of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Yeah. And Edwards would return to the town every year on the first weekend of May for the next 50 years. Whenever he would return, they would put on Fiesta. It's a a yearly like ceremony parade. There'd be a stage show, a beauty contest, a dance. They would do it at Edwards Park. This is demonic. <laughs> it's not. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Don't take that out of context. <laughs> That's re- like. Hmm. Yep. He was that little demon man was the king of a town. Yeah. And they celebrate Fiesta That's, every 
first weekend of May. That's so, ridiculous. That man might be a demon, actually. Now, how how's this for a, a little fun Superman um, synchronicity? When okay. I was looking at this, you know, right after I, I wrote that little bit about the Superman cover, I went looking for footage of the annual uh, Fiesta ceremony, and I clicked on a video titled TNC Fiesta Idol Karaoke Contest Medley, and you'll never believe the first song. Dun, dun, dun. Also, in most of the retellings, um, Merlin is half demon. So how about that? How about that? Truth or Consequences is an allegory for... <laughs> Wow. I'm going to show you guys some love. You guys don't get enough love over here. Yep, Kryptonite. Fantastic, fantastic. That Superman's influence over truth or consequences cannot cannot be understated. So about 40 miles away from truth or consequences. I, I want to say T and C, but it's not T and C. It's T or C, yeah. really. But 40 miles away is Richard Branson's space tourism company. Virgin Galactic? Yeah, they occupy a huge spaceport installation there called Spaceport America, which was officially declared open in 2011, but launched their first rocket years prior in 2006. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. The world's first purpose-built commercial spaceport, which means that Branson's hopes for this place is that it becomes the the hub for space tourism. Not going to happen. His plan's bullshit. Yeah. It's the worst of the uh, private space companies. But if you'd like, you can go to the Visitor Center, which opened in 2015 in Truth or Consequences. So that's there, too. Be funny if he... Died in a uh, spaceship explosion. Richard Branson. Those would be the real consequence. We would find yeah. out is what is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's and that's one of those like nice little like poetic synchronicity. <laughs> like it just seems like real poetic. Just enough. Mm-hmm. Probably going to happen. <laughs> the same year that Hot Springs, New Mexico changed their name to. What the fuck did I write there? <laughs> <laughs> The same year that Hot Springs Truth and Consequences. The same year that Hot Springs, New Mexico changed their name to Truth and Consequences, 1950, the show was parodied by none other than Looney Tunes. Mm. Where Daffy Duck plays, of course, an incredibly sadistic game show host. <laughs> Can we take a listen? Yes. And let me remind you again, folks, I love Daffy that Duck. you're listening to Truth or Brought to you by the Eagle Hand Laundry. If your eagle's hands are dirty, we'll wash them clean. Now, back to our contestant. <laughs> Who was the father of our country? Well, that's simple. George, we, we... Oh, I'm sorry. Time's up. You don't get the super chief, but you're still the winner of the Rocky Mountains, a 17-jewel half Nelson, and the La Brea Tar Pit. Lucky me. Would you like to continue, or, uh... Well, uh, I, I don't know, I... Uh... Don't be a sucker, chum. The next question's a snap. You 
the next. What just happened is that Daffy pulled out a shotgun yeah. and murdered an audience member yeah. for trying to warn Porky Pig against continuing the game. Yeah. Which, as as we know, is a, a rigged game. Yeah. So there, there's a very dark side to Daffy Duck. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, Daffy Duck's a psychopath. That's why I fucking love him. Yeah. He's, I love Daffy Duck. He's incredible. You ever seen Daffy Duck's Quackbusters? No. You gotta. I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so the cartoon ends with like, okay, Porky eventually wins the money and then buys the entire company and forces Daffy to play the game. It's like, you know, poetic justice. Yeah. Finest. So 1950 is a good year for like truth or consequences in pop culture. Um, it's also the first year that the show appears on television, which is a lie because it... It actually appeared on television way back in 1941 as the first ever game show to air on commercially licensed television, but it only ran one time as an experiment. Yeah, as like a special. Yeah, just like one and done. And then not again until 1950. And then it didn't leave until 1988. Oh, damn. Yeah. Whoa. Bob Barker did the honors of hosting from 1956 to 75, but fuck him. I don't want to talk about him. Why not? After what he did to Kathy O'Brien. (gasps) <gasps> no, that was oh. Bob Hope. Yeah, that was Bob Hope. That oh, was whatever. Bob They're all creeps. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. I'm sure he did something. He's Bob Barker. No. Come on now. So that that's enough about truth or consequences. What about funny boners? What about this whole... That's right. Funny boners. Yeah. So funny boners was produced by Ralph Edwards. Okay. The, the psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind... Truth or consequences. Um, but it was hosted by a ventriloquist named Jimmy Weldon, a.k.a. Uncle Jimmy. Oh, and he hosted boy. it with his ventriloquist dummies. Yeah. Webster Webfoot, a pretty cute little duck puppet, and his other dummy, Easy Marvin. Oh, I don't know oh. what Easy Marvin looks like. You'll have to use your imagination. Okay. Um, there's no surviving footage of Funny Boners, but we do have a record of Webster Webfoot singing a Christmas song. Hmm. Why is it called Funny Boners? Warning, it's awful. Wow. I've heard this voice before. This is terrible. I told you. Wow. Shoot. Yeah. Okay. So that's Uncle Jimmy, voice of Webster Webfoot. But Jimmy Weldon also had a career as a motivational speaker. That. Do you want to get hosted funny boners? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to get motivated by Jimmy Weldon, no. professional motivation no. speaker? Because I do. Get ready. Get ready for this. Get ready to be motivated. Okay. I. You're not ready for this. Hello, this is Jimmy Weldon. No, the I don't last like him. Voice and Yogi Bear. I love you. Do you know scientists take a little mouse and put him in a bowl of warm water? Wait, he's Yogi Bear. They have to swim until they die. Literally, as they're drowning, the scientists take them out. Get the water out of their lungs, feed them, let them rest, and put them back in that same bowl of water. I asked students, he's already died once, how long is he going to swim this time? Half as long, as long, or twice as long? 
Many will say, oh, twice as long. I said, no, young people, he'll swim slightly more than half as long. He said, as soon as I quit swimming, these jerks will get me out of the water. Think, that's a little mouse. What about a human mind? What? Anytime we do something for someone they ought to do on their own, we're hurting them instead of helping them. Don't turn me off. Go to my website, jimmyweldon.com. Download my book, Go Get Em, Tiger, free. You'll understand why I made that statement. You'll say, Jimmy's right. I'm coming back with more things, so visit me often. Go get them, tigers. What? <laughs> Are you motivated? No. Yeah. You better like, not save that drowning rat. You better let him drown a little bit. Don't help him out. Save the mouse, drown the rat. That's what I say. Yeah. I don't like Jimmy Weldon. <laughs> I don't what the fuck is Funny Boners about? What the fuck is Funny Boners about? Yeah. Do we know anything? What the fuck is Easy Marvin? She put a... Huh? Somebody... Somebody find me a picture of Easy Marvin. Please. Or make it up. So do we know what... So it was just like... It was truth or consequences for kids? Yeah. Okay. Hosted by and, that guy? And puppets. I don't like it. And produced by Ralph Edwards, who evidently had a theme of um, having ventriloquists as hosts on shows that he produced. Because in the 80s... Edwards helped produce a show called So You Think You've Got Troubles. And it featured ventriloquist Jay Johnson and his puppet Bob. Hmm. Now, participants were selected on the basis of having unusual or unique life problems. And then they would receive advice from a panel of experts who would include like um, psychiatrists or ministers, maybe astrologers, just like a, pa a panel of experts. And then the audience would choose who gave the best advice. And it was like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Let's check it out. All right. Let's meet Jay Johnson and Bob. So you think you got troubles? People have in common. Troubles! And what do they talk about when they get together? Troubles! And what's the one thing they all say? So you think you got troubles? And here's the star of So You Think You Got Troubles, Jay Johnson and Bob. Bob is in a cowboy costume. Yes, he is. Jay Johnson is dressed regularly. Howdy, damn partner. Good to see you, Jim. <laughs> Get on with it, partner. Okay, yeah, fine. You gonna do this to me all show? Here, yeah, Get on with it. Okay, fine, fine. I want <laughs> Welcome to So You Think You Got Trolled. Yeah! So we're glad that you were here today because uh, we're gonna share some problems with our uh, people. So... So you think you've got troubles. Do you, I just picked out a random episode. Yeah. It ended up being pretty, um, I don't know. It, it made me realize that time is a flat circle. Let's meet our first person with troubles. I think we already did. <laughs> yeah. How you doing today? Fine. Welcome Thank to you. our show. We're glad that you're here today. What uh, what problem brings you here today, Jerry? Well, I have a rather complicated problem, Jay, and that is that I was born a woman, and then I went through a total sex change to become a man, and now I'm in process of going through a sex change reversal to become a woman again. I'm a little confused here, Jerry. Uh, uh, you're confused. <laughs> uh, now let, me, let me see if I get this right now, because uh, uh, you said it's complicated. I, uh, you, you were a woman once, and you became a man, and now you're going back to become a woman again? Is this? That's right. 
Well, that's an unusual story. Uh, maybe we better start at the first. Wait, we Man's didn't find terrified. out what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so funny. Well, now, how, like, okay, so how old you, were you can when pause you decided that. to become a. 1982. There's a point where I kept watching this. There's a point where, where Bob just completely shuts up. Like, I, I, he has no idea. He hides behind he, the puppet? Like, no. Oh. Like, the puppet shuts oh, up. Everything. Oh, Bob's the puppet. Yeah, yeah like, he doesn't. So, like, the cowboy dummy is just, yeah. like, sitting in his arms silently as he's just, like, standing there stupefied, just, like, not really knowing what to say. Homeboy has no idea what to do. Do you want to hear the expert advice back in the 80s? Sure. Actually, probably not, honestly. We're going to ask two of our experts today. Our first expert is the world's most documented, uh, documented and accurate psychics. She is like, head of the is Psychic Time Task Force for the City of Los this. Angeles. Now, remember that psychic readings are not based on any scientific fact, but are here for entertainment. Here is Cabrina Kincaid. Hello, Cabrina. Hi, Jerry. When I tune into your watch, I really am picking up on the pain of your daughter. She just doesn't know how to identify with you. Uh, when you had your sex change, she took it as a personal indignity she wanted a mother not a father and what i feel is happening right now is a tragedy to both of you and i really feel that you should sit down and write her a letter i think in this letter you should say to her that you were mentally ill you hated yourself at the time you wow. didn't know what you were doing the, but now the you've look made on that jerry's face you want forgiveness <laughs> and that you and hope the, that someday when she has a child that that child clothes. will give you or give her the same forgiveness that you're begging from her now and hope and pray that she watches the show because i've been think she will believe in <laughs> the sincerity enough. of your decision that is quite enough. So the psychic is holding the watch and saying, you need to write your daughter a letter saying that you were mentally ill and out of your mind. Cabrina. Yeah. So you think you've got troubles. Not anymore, I don't. Yeah. And, you know, so they, there's her advice and then there's another man that gives advice whose, whose advice is basically like, haven't you and your daughter suffered enough? Can't this just be like, you know, water under the bridge? Hasn't everybody gone through enough at this point? Don't we all have troubles? Don't we all have troubles? Just let it, um, all right, that's good advice. But, but the audience thinks that the psychic's advice is, is good. Like, yeah, right, right. Really? Right, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, time. dude. Yeah. Um, well, the way it's yeah. handled, it's very interesting. <laughs> so Ralph Edwards went on to produce just like a bunch of strange shows over the years. The most famous one, of course, being um, This Is Your Life, which was like a famous documentary series that a real tearjerker where it would go into the backstories of celebrities and like the blah, blah, blah. Not as interesting as the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or the penchant for hiring ventriloquists as as hosts. Yeah. You know, Bob Monroe got to start hosting radio or producing radio game shows. But the Monroe Institute. Makes sense. Yeah, like that was like one of the first things. I'm just like thinking of him in this industry, surrounded by these people, and then like going on his astral journeys. That's interesting. Are they demons? <laughs> All game show hosts. Yeah. Have you seen Steve Harvey? Yes. Yeah, I think that answers that. Yeah. Dude, well, are they? <gasps> Dude, that contest in New Mexico, that shit was rigged. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's right next to a spaceport? They're not demons. They're aliens doing experiments on us. Or all game show hosts. This leads us perfectly into our next portion. Mm. Are secretly mm. intelligence officers. 
Same thing, but yes. Because mm. <laughs> that is exactly what Chuck Barris claimed in his 1982 memoir, Confessions of a Dangerous Man. Dangerous Man? Yes. It was dang- Confessions of a Dangerous Mind or a Dangerous Man? Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Mm. I'm just silly. I mean, he's a dangerous man. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly what he claimed in his 1982 memoir, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, that he's... Uh, Apparently, he's murdered some odd 30 people as an undercover CIA assassin, and that's why he was traveling all over the world for the game show. He murdered people on the game show. No. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But he actually did end up writing a book um, about a game show where people get executed. Really? Yes. Oh, man. What what was the show he hosted? So he's responsible for a little something called The Gong Show. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the newlywed game. Oh. And the dating game. Oh. Yeah. What the fuck is a game show dude? He's he's a game show dude. He's like one of the game what, show dudes. What the fuck is a game show dude? What is happening? <laughs> yes. That's ridiculous. So he grew up Jewish parents. They didn't really provide him any guidance. They kind of just let him float around. But he was pretty self-motivated. Yeah. Because he worked summers in his grandfather's clothing factory, which terrified him into having ambition because he did not want to be a factory worker. So he went to Drexel University and he ends up marrying um, the daughter of one of the founders of CBS, a gal named Lynn Levy. Okay. And he decides then to pursue a career in television. All right. And I have a bit of, I have some clips. All right. From a documentary about Mr. Barris. He devised a plan to gain acceptance into NBC's elite management training program. Chuck Barris, my life on the edge. Thousands of applicants. So I, I really didn't stand much of a chance. So I went to the library and I looked up who uh, was on the board of directors of the Radio Corporation of America, who owned NBC. And I took two or three names, and I put them down as references. I got right in. At NBC, Chuck showed the first signs of the zany creativity that would become his trademark. We both loved music, loved jazz. So Chuck had this ability, which startled me, of imitating a bass fiddle. And I could do a trombone. Well, we had these jam sessions. <laughs> we were always afraid of getting caught, but we loved to play together. So we would go into a closet, shut the door, what? and we'd play Sweet George Brown. Yep. He liked that. He would say, let's do Georgia Brown. What? We did Silly it man. I mean, that's let's fun as hell. It. You know. We were really good. <laughs> okay. Sound it, but we were. Yeah, so he's working his way up the ladder in MVC. Eventually, he earns a job in ABC's daytime programming department in 1962. You know, he, he, he does a little work on the side when he's not in the closet playing mouth bass. Yeah. I mean, this is like the assassination age. <laughs> I love it. You it's know? a great story. He was sent to Los Angeles to solicit show ideas. I checked into a motel and I called everybody in town and I never got any further than the secretary. You know, I kept saying, well, just have them return my call Chuck Barris at the Del Capri Motel. And nobody returned my calls. So I checked into the Beverly Hills Hotel and I then called the same people back and I said, Chuck Barris, Bungalow 6, the Beverly Hills Hotel. And they all called me back. <laughs> I came. 
I came back with four or five uh, pilots. ABC was looking to augment its daytime lineup, which consisted primarily of soap operas. Chuck was instructed to find game show possibilities, but he didn't like what he heard. He said, I'm very frustrated because these guys come in to pitch me shows, and I'm much better than they are. I said, well, I have a great idea. Why don't you leave and become a producer mm -hmm. and try to do your own show? Yeah, so he's like, everybody's got shit ideas. Yeah. I come up with better shit than that. Yeah. So he gets the idea, like, why don't we just put regular people on TV? Like, you know what's funny? When regular people just say dumb shit. Let's try it out. Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's what he pitches, and guess what? Everybody, I mean, it is fun. I, like, I don't like seeing fucking making people kiss people they think is their husbands, but isn't. Mm-hmm. I love seeing him say dumb shit. Oh, yes. Chuck Barris is the Neil Armstrong of game show creators. He was the first one that said, okay, most entertaining people in the world are those people at home. Let's go make them stars. He put people on TV who, at that time, nobody ever thought they should be on TV. In the late 60s and early 70s, Chuck Barris shows dominated the airwaves. And at its peak, Chuck Barris Productions had an unheard of 27 half hours a week of game show programming on the air. There was Dating Game, Day and Night, Newlywed Game, Day and Night, Dream Girl, Family Game, Operation Entertainment. In 1976, <laughs> yeah. Chuck created the show that would define his career and made himself the host. The Gong Show. He was our first non-conformist hippie this slash, motherfucker. you know, tripping host. There we go. The, the first non-conformist hippie tripping host. That yeah. dude, fucking CIA. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. One the tooth gaps that looks like no, um, no, baloney. No, not fucking, um, not fucking Ralph What's-His-Ass. I mean Chuck Barris. <laughs> yes. Chuck Barris is fucking CIA. I can just, I can just see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, he always acted, like, so wild on the gong show, and everybody thought that, like, he was on drugs. He wasn't. In oh. fact, like, he didn't even allow drugs, like, at his production company. Like, he was not about that. It, he was known for having, like, a laid-back, cool-guy atmosphere, like, hiring yeah. people that, you know, maybe didn't even have a resume, but he was like, sure, fuck it. Uh, no documentation, no paper trail whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Keep those drugs away. Yeah. Yeah. That, yes. So the Dude. networks, yeah. Dude. The networks loved his show ideas and viewers enjoyed it too. Like 27 hours a week. Like it's good old, cheap, mindless entertainment. Yeah, that shit was engineered at the fucking Macy conferences, dude. Yeah. That, shit, that well, was fucking. The critics. Operation Entertainment. Get the fuck out of here. The critics fucking hated it. They thought it was trash. They thought it was like watering down television and like media and entertainment as, as an industry. Um, and it's like. It's amazing how you can be both right and wrong. No, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, what the premise of the gong show is, right? Nope. Okay. So it's kind of like, um, I don't know. Is it America's Got Talent? There's one modern day iteration of like the, the talent show where you go on and if they don't like you, they play, they do the big buzzer and then you're off. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, but like with a gong instead. Okay. And the idea is that it's an amateur talent show 
and that they like to bring on people whose acts were silly and unique. And maybe the people weren't really talented, talented, but they were entertaining. Yeah. So they, they weren't necessarily looking for good talent. I have I have a good example. The fake authenticity. Yeah. I, I have a little All clip right. here when I think that she's very talented, but I can understand why that you wouldn't want more of it. Like you just want one performance. On the good ship, lollipops. It's nice to a candy shop where the bum bums play. On a sunny beach in Peppermint Bay. This woman is 61 years old. This is insanity. She's dressed like a little girl. I'm telling you, it's only a matter of days until this audio goes viral on TikTok. I can see all the kids lip syncing to it. I can't look away. There's talent there. There's something there. Yeah. Talent's a strong word. (laughs) So, reflecting on his game show career, Barris would call his creations meaningless and sadly inconsequential. He also said that being the host of the gong show was one of the stupidest things that that he ever did because it it took away all the things that he liked to do. Hmm, Going to sporting events, going to the diner. Playing mouth bass in the closet. Yeah, browsing in bookstores, everything. He was constantly being approached by angry viewers who blamed him for polluting the media with trash. People would just come up to him and be like, I hate your fucking show. And he even said... I knew that until the day I died, it was going to be my legacy. The day I died, the headline was going to be, Chuck Barris finally got gonged. (laughs) It bothered him. It bothered him that his legacy was just being like the king of schlock. You know, he didn't like that. Here was his, here's his response to critics. There are times when the show seems to have been a wonderful thing to have done, but, um, I wouldn't want to go back and do it again. (laughs) Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interestingly, um, he wasn't supposed to be the host of the gong show. John Barber was slated to host the daytime version for NBC. He's got the eyes of a killer, too. Barber appeared too sensitive. He didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. John Barber was actually searching for real talent. I remember talking to us blue in the face to try to tell him that this was not a talent show. I remember taking a series of photographs of Chuck in the corner talking to John Barber and watching the vein on Chuck's neck it bulge more and more. He was so frustrated. John Barber didn't seem to get it. NBC executive Marilyn David watched Chuck try to explain the tone of the show to Barber. She had an idea. Chuck needed to be the show's host. She said, either you do it or we won't put the show on. I stayed up most of the night thinking about it. Of course, the greed was all there and the ham in me. And uh, all of those rotten factors, I said, 
I'll do it. And we went on the air. And here's yeah. the host and star of the show. And then they went on the air. And also, since he was like the producer of the show and the host, it meant that nobody could be like, hey, Chuck, you're acting a little insane. Like, maybe you shouldn't do right. or say that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the show was interestingly like it was panned for being mean to the people on it. Yeah. And yet he doesn't think of it that way. Like that's not what it when he reflects on it, you get this sense that like that's not how he sees it. Yeah, well, I think it's like all these these people knew what the gong show was. Mm-hmm. You know what and I mean? And it's also it's so simple because now I was reading about him, his reflections on on modern reality television, yeah. and what he thinks about shit like Survivor. And he says he can't even watch it because it's too complicated, like too epic. It He finds modern shows too mean spirited and like over the top and complex. Whereas before, you know, he says when I was doing game shows, all you needed was four couples, eight questions, a washer dryer, and you got a show. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's you don't have to send people to an island. That's the game, right? Not the uh, yeah. You're not putting people in a like that's game shows are people playing a game, whereas like reality shows are essentially putting people in a fucking experiment mm-hmm. and creating drama. Right. A game show lasts for um, an afternoon. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not a, a day's long event. No, it, it's an excuse for you and your family to go to the big city and fucking have a day or something like. Right. Yeah. So Barris's television reign goes on, but it more or less ends in 1980 when several of his shows were canceled. The movie version of the gong show bombs. What? Yeah. There's a movie. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Yes. It's the most ill-advised piece. What? It happened. You can't do that. Yeah, so the movie does bad. Shows are canceled. Barris installs himself in a New York hotel, and he's going to spend a month there just, like, writing all of this anger out of his system at, like, ah, my career's in the garbage, and what was it good for anyway? Like, I'm just known as the stupid fucking game show guy. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a writer. Okay. So he gets this hotel room with the idea that he's going to spend maybe a couple months there. Yeah. He spends two and a half years there. What? He he starts having his belongings from his home in Los Angeles, like mailed over. And he immerses himself in what would become confessions of a dangerous mind. Two and a half years in a hotel? Yeah. Like in New York. Confined or does he leave? I'm sure he leaves from time to time. Okay. I, d- I don't know. Move into a hotel is weird, dude. Like, that's a weird thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. So he okay. writes his memoir, um, and it mostly goes, like, pretty much unnoticed until 2002. Wait, what? When a movie comes out. The motion picture version of Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, starring Sam Rockwell, George Clooney, and Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And, you know, Chuck's back in the spotlight, and he... He does not enjoy promoting the movie, but he's glad to have his book recognized and exposed again to like a new and wider audience. The book in which he says that he was a assassin. Yeah. Are we going to talk about that? I don't really know a lot of I didn't watch the movie and I didn't read the book. What the fuck? 
So but we have like, we should this man wrote a book in which he said that the gong show or was it the gong show or was it what? oh i have a bit of from the documentary here that i include there we go i inserted the link confessions is about my life in the television business and as an assassin for the cia <laughs> the basic premise is that when i created dating game and i created uh the opportunity to send dates to europe i could go along as a chaperone and do work for the CIA. According to the book, Chuck performed 33 assassinations while running the dating game. I went into his office, I said, That's Chuck, funny as hell. is there any truth in this? Is this really true? And he looked up at me and he said, I just can't say. I saw him That's kill funny three as guys one night. <laughs> Chuck did a lot of traveling. And he had, I know, guns <laughs> under his bed. So who knows? I looked in the mirror and I said, if he's CIA, you're Mary Poppins, Bob. I think it's kind of great that this question exists. This is a book that that has a premise and you either buy it or you don't buy it. I love it. And that's that. I love yep. it Unfortunately, so fucking much. That's nobody so bought good. It. The book, that is. That's... Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, it really didn't. Dude, Until that's... 2002 when they made the movie. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. No, I love it. Um, and it's still ambiguous to this day. Even on set, like, the, the actors... Dude, uh, that's so funny, though. I saw him kill three men. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm sure Gong Show was created at the Macy Conference. I'm sure it's, yeah, it was involved, like, a little bit. It's a gorgeous fantasy. I like, like, not like that, but, like, I bet he felt bitter at the U.S. government. I bet there's a reason. Yeah. I, th I bet there's a reason why you chose that. that oh, right. He like, I know he talks about how he feels like the most alive that he's ever felt. Like after he's killed a man, like it's. That's funny. Yeah. Because it's not true. It's, fu it's funny because it's not. Right. True. Yeah. And then, he, you know, he also writes that book about um, the game show where like people get murdered and like die in all sorts. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got some, you know, entertainments to work out. Well, he, he's seen the, the shadow side of the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, he also wrote that song Palisades Park. It's like an old like 19, 1962 song. Huh. Is it mouth bass? No. Okay. It's okay. It's a pretty good song. We can hear a little bit of it. It's by Freddie Cannon. Freddie Boom Boom Cannon. Freddie Boom Boom. Don't Counting Crows boom. did a fucking car. What the fuck is this? I don't know, I think that's mouth base. Alright. Yeah. I'm not into I don't like that song. No, that was the that was the one and only song he ever wrote. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess worth mentioning. So he also had a daughter. This is where this takes a tragic turn. He so he writes all of these books, right? Because he's hoping to maybe turn his career away from his legacy as a, a king of schlock yeah, yeah. and into talented writer, perhaps, or man of mystery and intrigue, person with a, a story that's ambiguous and fun and leaves questions for people to talk about for ages to come. Yeah, yeah. But he also 
writes um, a book called Della, a memoir of my daughter, which is a biography of his daughter who passed away from a drug overdose in July 1998. Ooh. She also had HIV. Ooh. She was like homeless for a time. And there's no ambiguity about the truth in this memoir. It's yeah, like yeah. very raw, very sad, very honest. Yeah. And he, he openly admits in this book that he placed his career in front of his daughter's needs. Gotcha. And feels awfully about it. Like so many what ifs, so many what could I have done differently. Apparently his daughter began running with gangs when she was 14 and then started doing hard drugs not long after. She dropped out of Beverly Hills High her sophomore year, then ran away with some guy. Okay. Barris kind of just let it happen. He says he he would just throw money at her, hoping that maybe yeah. he'd go to therapy, but eventually he gave up and just let her go and, you know, shacked up in a hotel for two years and made a, He had some know. demons to work through. Yeah. And that was his daughter with Lynn Levy. He ends up getting married like three times. Yeah. Um, going through different relationships, goes through a battle with lung cancer. And he's just a, like a fascinating Definitely. man to me. Just a really interesting character. Yeah. I like the confessions of a dangerous mind bit. I also, I don't know. The gong show is funny. Yeah, it like, is. That's funny. That's so much better than the other shit we saw. Mm-hmm. Truth or consequences. Not good. Beulah the buzzer. I, I can forgive the ventriloquist for not knowing how to take a trans person in 1982 because he is, after all, a ventriloquist. Yeehaw. Like, he doesn't get out much. <laughs> no. Like, you, you know, it's, it's, you know, I can I can forgive relics of the past like that. Truth or consequences. That shit's run by aliens, dude. That shit, that shit is wild. I don't know. I don't know about that. The Gong Show by by comparison, mm-hmm. it's fucking great. You have to have a very high charisma score to be a game show host, too, because like you have to oh, yes. talk. Yes, you can't leave any dead air, and you also like it can't be awkward because you're dealing with like families, random people, couples, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you got to have like banter. You're you're game mastering. You know, right. you're, you're yeah. It's that's a skill for sure. Because I mean, without the host, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know, you just have the audience and the people on stage waiting to almost be like he's right, the, the master of ceremonies to arrive and tell everybody what to do. Where? Yeah, to yeah, go. yeah. Like, no, what's he's happening the, now? Yeah, exactly. He's the he's the main character. He's the conductor. He's mm-hmm. the fucking the Merlin, the wizard. Right. Yeah. And it is interesting in both the case of Ralph Edwards and Chuck Barris, you have these guys who have taken on both the producer and host roles and have then, you know, sort of passed the baton on to other famous game show artists that then take inspiration. Don't call them artists. Game show artists. Hosts, please. (laughs) (laughs) What Steve Harvey does. Well, okay, fair enough. Is in art. Fair enough. It, you know what? I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's maybe where the Eight of Pentacles comes in. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because like by Barris's own admission, yeah, he, he worked damn hard for his legacy. and But then also he was like, oh shit, I don't know if that's the legacy I want. Bang, bang, bang. I need to like get to work on my little workbench like in the Eight of Pentacles. You know, it's this man who's working on banging out some pentacles there, well there's that there's also um you go hole up for two years and write this insane book sure yeah but there, there's also uh, so the eights on the tree of life are 
hode in, uh, in, and that's the sphere of Mercury, right? Mm-hmm. Mercury is very much the game show host archetype. Right. And just game shows in general are infinitely like scalable and transformable as a, a thing that just now exists. Yeah. And they're, they deal with materiality. Very much every so. time, like you're guessing, like you're answering questions, you're doing shit has to do with materiality for the hope of getting an increase in material wealth, mm-hmm. right? The the astrological attribution of the Eight of Pentacles is the Sun in Virgo, which is interesting. Yeah, like Virgo again, and and ho- Virgo like and meticulousness organization. Yeah, and Virgo is the sign ruled by Mercury again, and. um both Virgo and Hode are about plans, uh, intricacies, mechanics, right? Like uh, it's the, you know, on the opposite side of Netzach, which is beauty, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's on the opposite side of the tree life from like art, yeah. right? Like it's not. You're right. It's yeah, really yeah, yeah. not. It's so um, commercialized and yet and just it is purely mechanical timeless. as well. Because like I said, right at the beginning, this idea of no matter how old you are in the waiting room. Yeah. The show is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how many years have passed, the the Wheel of Fortune, the Price is Right, Family Feud, like no matter who the host is or how different the set is, yeah. the game is the fucking same. Absolutely. Which speaks to the like long-lastingness of the Eight of Pentacles. But also, you know what a game show is? You're watching people test themselves against mechanics. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the Eight of Pentacles. Yeah. People interacting with mechanics. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also mm. love um, the the staple on game shows of just having hot women stand there. Oh, you got it. Yeah. You got it. We, they got it. Someone's got to spin the wheel. It's true. Someone has to spin the wheel. Wheel doesn't spin without- It's a sacred roll. It is a sacred roll. Are we sure they're not demons? There's something weird about game shows. I don't know. I, I'm more convinced. Like, I don't know. I don't know, dude. You can never be too sure. I'm not. Uh, there's. I'm bothered a little bit. I don't know why. There's something wrong with all of this. Something wrong with Webster Webfoot. Yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I I watched more of Jimmy Weldon's motivational talks than I, I care to admit to. I already repressed him. They Oh, he is a funny man when he's trying to motivate you. Dude, he's not going to motivate me. No, it's like your grandpa lecturing you. No, it's like somebody else's grandpa that's trying to still be grandpa to me. And I'm just like, no, get out of here. No, it's somebody's grandpa who actually never had any children. Right. He thinks now he still he, deserves he grandpa He thinks he's the universe's role. grandpa because he, nah. he can do a, a duck voice. Now he's just an old pedophile. i I don't know i don't know i mean funny boners though funny boners for children truth or consequences for children this is not good and there's no footage and there's no footage left oh there's just there's just no footage show me on easy marvin where uncle jimmy touched uh yeah there's just no footage left of a show called funny boners that was truth or consequences for children that man's a pedophile i don't give a fuck that's I'm going to send Chuck Barris after him. How dare you speak of Uncle Jimmy this way? He's not my uncle. Yeah. Of all the the people who's who really faded out in, during this episode, like who have no real legacy to speak yeah. of, probably Uncle Jimmy. But then again, 
Who the fuck ever heard of Jay Johnson and Bob? And I'd never heard of Chuck Barris or Ralph Edwards. I mean, I mean, honestly, the, the person with the biggest legacy is oh, either, either Daffy Duck or Porky Pig. Okay, hey, listen to this. Um, Jay Johnson, the ventriloquist, you know, with the cowboy Bob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was known for his role on the sitcom Soap, where he played the ventriloquist Chuck Campbell and his dummy Bob. Okay. And Chuck would treat Bob as though he was real. Now, this sitcom Soap, it lasted from 1977 to 81. The show's story featured melodramatic plot lines, including things like alien abduction, Hmm. demonic possession, Hmm. extramarital affairs, Mm -hmm. murder, kidnapping, amnesia, cults, organized crime, communist revolutions, and teacher-student relationships. So all the potential bad things we've talked about in this episode. <laughs> Very interesting. Ah, set in the fictional town of Dunn Rivers, Connecticut. Very interesting. All right. I'm going to leave this episode unsettled, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and Jay Johnson plays a ventriloquist who expresses his hostility through his, uh, through his puppet. Very interesting. Wow. What a strange show that existed. Game show. Billy Crystal was in it. Of course he was. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) 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 You don't hear about him anymore, do you? Very interesting. He played um he played a gay character named Jody Dallas. Of course, the gay character's name is Jody Dallas. Um, Jesus Yeah, Jody Dallas actually went to hypnotherapy and ended up getting hypnotized into believing he was an elderly Jewish man. Okay. I I don't know how that was handled. I'm skeptical. (laughs) Named Julius Kassendorf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's also... Cross-dressing. I mean, of course. Okay, yeah. D- the character of, of Jody, played by Billy Crystal, very controversial. Huge source of controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just gonna say, uh, cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, I think that about does her. That'll do her. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Share tune next week. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more. Uh, we do have a bonus up, our bonus show, the Corkboard Bazaar, on our Patreon, starting just five dollars a month. Get access to that and our Patreon exclusive Discord, Discord, or Discord, Discord. server, uh, where we don't make anybody do any sort of weird shit. It's fine. Like, there's no truth or consequences. It's great. You can escape truth and consequences by going to Patreon.com/slash The Nonsense Bazaar and giving us five bucks a month. You piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and leave a rating review. Tell your friends. And, yeah, I'll see you around. Take care of yourselves. See you on the flip side. Get me a gong. Gong. <laughs> <laughs>